Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We are in week two of the professional pillar, and I am excited. I'm excited about this. Um, You know, there is this thought that there is not one square inch of the cosmos that Jesus hasn't emphatically declared mine. And we're going to start off, I want you to see this quote by Billy Graham, because I 100% agree. Here's, Here's what he says. The next great awakening will likely take place in the workplace. The next great awakening, God showing up and showing off is going to take place in the place where you spend the majority of your time. And we talked about it last week. We need a revolution in our attitude towards work. It is more than just making money and leisure. There is so much more that God has for us. Your professional life, your work, whether you're a student and your work right now is to learn, whether you are in, uh, you're a a lawyer, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, like this work that you have is important, it's crucial, and God's desire is that we would train and develop and exercise and pay attention and delight so that we might display God's glory, God's goodness, God's beauty, and of course God's presence. So last week was really about mindset and really what motivates us in our work. And we said that for many, not all, but for many, work is a curse. Work is a means to an end. And for some, work is a God. And for for many of us, when it comes to work that God calls us to, we wrestle with this, this idea of sacred and secular. We talked about some people's idea of what like good work that God gives us is maybe maybe we open up a coffee shop and we call it Hebrews or Holy Grounds. Some, there's some cheesy ideas. But like 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us, we have to demolish arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we have to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And remember, Jesus worked. Some say carpenter. Most theologians would tell you that Jesus was a tecton or a builder or a mason because there was a limited amount of wood during that time. But Jesus, he worked. And so because there, there is a, sometimes a lack of deep uh, understanding of a theology of work, we tend to see things in our culture and society that seem, that seem right, right? I mean, we, we like to read books like The 4-Hour Workweek. We, we tend to think of work in this context. Let's make as much money as we can, as quickly as we can, so that we can retire and play golf in Scottsdale, right? But is that what God had in mind? I mean, from the get-go, we saw last week that God works, creates from the first sentence of Scripture. And we were created in His image, in His likeness. And God gives us this cultural mandate in Genesis 1 to get to work. It's good. It's sacred. There is no sacred, secular divide All of us are in full-time ministry or full-time service. So when you are asked, what do you do? You can now answer, I'm in full-time ministry and I'm an accountant. 
I'm a lawyer. I am a domestic engineer. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I am a student because this is indeed what God had in mind for us. We said we're, we're to reflect, to re-image God to the earth. We are to rule, subdue, to create and shape. And this word is to actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. We are co-creators. We are partners. We'll re-emphasize this, but our work is worship. We don't worship our work, but our work is worship. The same word is used for work in the Bible as service and worship, and it's used a lot of places. And so we see that the way of Jesus, which is the way of life, is the way of, of work. And God is in the 100%. So we'll put this, the slide up on the screen from the assessments that we've received thus far, and I'll, I'll have to say, you guys are doing really good. Way to go, you. Like, give yourself a pat on the back. You're doing a great job. But let's, let's remember, when God creates the earth, everything that he creates, he says is good. So let's think about this word for just a second because it's not completely done. It's not done because God's desire is that he would hand over the project to humanity so that they would continue developing and showing his glory, his presence, and his beauty to others and to the earth where he placed us. Now, here's, here's a way to understand good. And I have my wife's permission to say what I'm about to say. So some of you who like to get offended at things, just, just relax. I got her permission, all right? So, so my wife, when you see her on the, on the weekend, I am going to just tell you, like, her hair, her makeup, everything, I mean, her dress, she, she's perfect. But when she wakes up in the morning, she's good. All right. All right, so God's desire in his creation is that it's good, but that we would work to beautify and to perfect, and not, not our idea of perfection, but to take the world somewhere. We also read from Ephesians 2.10, we said, we're God's handiwork. We're God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yes, we're saved by grace, which is the, uh, the verses before this, but we are also fashioned by God as his masterpieces to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, which of course is what's been called our vocation or our calling, these good works. And we said, what are good works? They're work that fits you, that blesses others, that glorifies God. And this is more than just wearing WWJD bracelets. That's great, but God desires that we would see others, that we would love and care for others, and that we would care for the work that he's given us. But most of us, I think, have questions that linger, like, why did God put me on the earth at this time? These are good questions. What does God want me to do with my life ultimately? And, and here's my answer to that. I don't know. But I do know God. And I know that God's desire is to show you. His desire is to not hide it from you. But I do want to read this passage that I think might help us sometimes for those of us who get so antsy. And what am I supposed to do ultimately? Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. And we are kings and, 
and queens. We are the royal priesthood of God. And so there is a, a part of the process that God desires that we get involved with to dig and to find and to seize the things that are our passions, the things that we are fashioned for. Now, I'll give you a resource for those of you who that's a, just a, a, a kind of an angst of a question in front of you. There's a really great book that I'll recommend called The 210 Project. You can go to 210project.com. It is a resource, not the resource, but it's a great way for you to take some assessments to look at your life story, to look at your passions, and to really begin to lean in to understanding that all of your story brought into God's story is how you're going to see your life will unfold ultimately in answering the question, why did God place me on the earth? But today my, my title is this, is We Work. We Work. And I want to talk about how. How as image bearers of God, how image bearers of God who, who possess the life of God, who see that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, these things that are in us, how we're to work. And so here is the first thing, and this, this order is very important to me and what I've discovered. I'm not, I'm not here to just tell you what to do. I'm going to share what I've done and how it has helped to unfold God's uh, process as a partner for my life. But first, be partners with God. Not just for God, but be partners with God. And this, this is perspective. Take ownership on the earth. Take ownership of the earth. This is what Genesis tells us. Genesis 1.28, fill the earth and subdue it. This is a cultural mandate from God to humanity. Fill the earth. Notice earth. Fill the earth and subdue it. Create, shape, get involved in taking it somewhere. The story starts as a garden, but it ends in Revelations 21, 22, where the garden has now advanced. It's a city. There is development because that's what God desired from the jump, from the get-go. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Enter, you know, song, work, 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 work. Sorry. That was for my own joy right there. Uh, and take care of it. <clears throat> that word, to develop to prepare as partners. So I want you to think about the scenario. You know, you're, you're at a coffee shop. You're working at, at the coffee shop. There's a massive rush of people that, that come in. And the people who are just hired hands that are not partners, they complain about all that work that has to be done. But if you're a partner, if you've got equity, those people that are coming in, you, you are overjoyed. You are excited because you're a partner with them. And we're called to be partners, actively involved. There's an there's a old story, maybe you've heard it, but just to, to give us perspective, there's two shoe salesmen that are sent to this remote island where there's not a whole lot of, of, of technology advancement. But one of the salesmen is sent to the east coast and the other one is sent to the west coast. And both of the salesmen, they complete a basic survey of the target market, their shoe salesmen, they call back to the office. The salesman who goes to the East Coast responds, no one here wears shoes, there's no market for us here. While the one who goes to the West Coast replies, no one here wears any shoes, there's a huge market for us 
Send inventory fast. Perspective. Like in the work that God's put in front of you, we're to be the ones who see the opportunities, who use our creativity, who use the mind of Christ that we've been given. Passion is not the first step to meaningful work. Perspective is. And write that down. Perspective is. Right? The essence of following Jesus is using our work to cooperate with heaven's invasion of earth. And perspective influences our behavior. You know, all of us here want to experience the life of Jesus. And in order to do that, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. The lifestyle that goes beyond Sunday, that goes into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And God makes Adam and Eve not, not to, to be just gardeners, but to be cultivators. But he certainly doesn't create them to be park rangers, where they just sort of sit back and sort of point. He, he wants them to get involved as the ones who cultivate and shape and allow the raw materials to develop in order that the glory of God would be put on display. And this is not just some mist. This, this, this is the beauty of God. That's what God's desire is for us, is to display that beauty. And so our perspective is partners with God. And what does that mean? Well, that means com communing with God. Not just doing the work for him, but being a partner with him means having conversation throughout the day. Check-in moments where you know work can kind of grab a hold of you and all of the drama and the stress of work can sort of seek to just sort of navigate you and guide you, but take a moment to just commute. It also means to use your creativity. It means to, to take the innovative thoughts that you have, and sometimes we feel limited by the environments we work in. But I can tell you this, when you begin to actively partner with God and allow yourselves to think about where you're at and how you can add value both to the business and to others that are around you, you actually get highlighted in that environment. And yes, sometimes people don't want those ideas, and so you take another path. You go at another angle. You come at it from a different place, begin, uh, allowing yourself to really embrace the identity that God has given to you. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And you have to walk with your heart and your head held high because of that reality. Work isn't meant to give you identity. God alone is. Your identity comes from him. And sometimes we get those things confused. Listen, Jocko Willink did not, he did not create extreme ownership. God did. Some of you have no idea who that is, and that's fine. That's a, a prevalent book that's out there. God created it. He wants us to be owners. And when we accept our assignment from the king as ambassadors, one cent into foreign lands on behalf of the kingdom, we represent the new creation reality, realities. The new way of being a human begins to take effect and impact the culture and the community, communities and the neighborhoods in which we live. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. We are Christ's ambassadors. We represent the kingdom of God. 
Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. We have a higher boss. You have a greater reward for all of your activity and work than just a salary. Well, Brad, my boss doesn't recognize me. And that's hard. But let me just give you a reminder. God's your boss. You're doing it for God. He loves you. He is pleased with you. You are his prized possession. And for me, I I had a time, about 10 years of time, where I had the opportunity to develop this perspective as a partner with God at GoDaddy. I started with GoDaddy when there was just a handful of employees, and I ended up leaving when there was close to 4,500. But during that time, I applied myself to learning about the environment I, I was in. And at the time, there weren't really any books written on virtual or digital real estate. And the clients that I was dealing with, they knew more about this landscape than anybody. And so I, I purchased ebooks, I read blogs, anywhere I could get information. I watched videos that were available at the time. And I now can tell you in some ways that it's just as I know more about virtual domain name real estate than most people on the earth. Now, I don't hold that up high and I don't say it to impress you. Here's my deal. I want to impress upon you the work that's in front of you. Make it a priority to add value, to learn and to grow and then to return that information in the place that God has put you. What happens is you advance in favor. No matter what it is, if you own your own business, you avail yourself to coaches and others who know more than you do in that space so that you can be a good steward. You allow yourself to accept that responsibility. You know, one of the other ways is is I would just take time uh, out of my day at various moments for two minutes. Now, you all got a a two-minute little timer, and we have more available for you, but I'd encourage you. Just tactically and practically, take that timer, put it on your desk, and from a uh, you know, moment uh, that you have the opportunity, just flip that timer over and just invite God in. Speak the name of Jesus. Jesus, I just invite you into this work. Man, this deal is, is going a little awry. Like, where are you in this process? What do you have to say? There's just so many moments where I would just take a perspective. I may have closed a big deal and it may have been awesome on the commission side and I'd go out just before I got a little too excited about myself and I'd just ask the Lord really what he thought about it and he would remind me like, hey, you think that's cool, check out the heavens. And I would be put in my, my place rightly to be like, yeah, that is pretty cool, God. Yeah, thanks for just putting me in, in the space that you have me. Let me, let me put uh, your beauty on display here. Second, be a person of enthusiasm. This speaks to preparation. One quote here, enthusiasm is the mother of effort and without it, nothing great was ever achieved. Here's here's the beauty. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, en, meaning within, and theos, meaning God. So the word literally means God within. Brad, my work is frustrating, it's hard. That's the result of of the fall. God cursed the ground. 
We needed to be saved. We need to broaden our understanding of salvation. So yes, to be put back into right relationship with the creator, but also with creation. And we've been set right. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.4 reminds us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This takes training. This is a muscle that has to be developed. If you want to transform, you have to train. So all those opportunities for you to be frustrated, allow yourself the opportunity to rejoice. Remember Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph. He receives a calling. He gets a dream. He shares it. His brothers throw him in a pit. They abandon him. It's tough. He gets sold into slavery. He's picked up by Potiphar. What happens? He begins to rise in the ranks because he's working unto God. He gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, right? Imprisoned. He rises in the ranks again because he's working unto God. Eventually, he becomes ruler of a region in Egypt. He's a prime minister. May I remind you, for those of you who are like, I just want to work in a place where everybody just loves Jesus. Joseph worked for Pharaoh who worshipped the sun. I don't care how bad your boss is. You're in good company. That's why these stories, when we remove religious spectacles, we can go, oh, that is true. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he worked a lot. You know, they say uh, on average that in in your life you're going to work 88,000 hours. It's pretty important as compared to 4,000 hours in church. So it seems to me that the action really is out there. I I love this story about uh, Caleb in in the book of Joshua. Caleb is 85 years old. All right, So so I need... Those of you who are like, listen, I'm retired, Brad. Don't talk about work. No, I said it last week. You don't need to retire. You need to refire. You may not be doing this specific occupation, but I believe that God has work for you to do. We saw it last night in our Trunk or Treat event. Some of our our 80-year-old family here got invested in the work. It was awesome. It was awesome to watch. So don't Buy into that lie. So let's listen uh, to Caleb here. Verse uh, 8, Joshua 14. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Enthusiasm. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Caleb was 40 when Moses got that picture. So we, we go on. He says, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. And that's a picture and a word from God. You don't, you don't retire. You refire. We need a generation of patriarchs and matriarchs with that enthusiasm. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Nevertheless, each person, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation, situation the Lord has assigned them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I lay down in all the churches. So Brad, well, how do I do that practically? Here's, here's what I did. I would, I would make my car my sanctuary in the parking lot, and I would go out 
And I, I would sit in my car sometimes, and, and I would build playlists. To this day, I still do this. I'd build playlists. And I do this before I come into every, every service, before I come into my work week, my work day. I use playlists because most of you know, if you've watched a football or basketball game, what is on the heads of most of those athletes before the game. Headphones. So build a playlist to be able to drive and stir enthusiasm on the inside of you. Have your own pep rally. That's how you stir up the God within. Save some notes in your notes of your phone. Save some prayers about taking authority. And we can give you those prayers. You don't, you don't have to just come up with them yourself. Sometimes it's helpful to pray the words of somebody who has, has written something so strong. And, and remind yourself that you're to rule and to reign. You're to have authority in that place that God has put you. Develop I will statements. These are some of mine. I will show up and show off the beauty and majesty of God's glory. I will be an energy giver. I will smile. I need help with that one. Sometimes I forget. I'll treat every job as important as an assignment from the king. I'll put my whole heart into what I, I do. I will not be discouraged by failure. I will statements. Simple, but when you put them daily into your drive and when you put it into your day, they become linchpins for you to be able to access the enthusiasm of God. There's th three types of people at your work, right? There's energy givers, there's ener energy wasters, and there's energy takers. Which one have you been consistently? Which one right now in this season are you? We're called to be energy givers. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ, the imaginations of Christ. Lean in, into that. Enthusiasm allows us to come in the opposite spirit of whatever it is that we're experiencing in our work environments, in our homes. Enthusiasm allows us to come in the opposite spirit. 1 Corinthians 4.12-13. We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Why? Because we're image bearers of God. So be a person of enthusiasm. Prepare your heart to let the God within show up on the outside of your life. And third, be a person of competence or production. Be effective. Be efficient in your work. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 12. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. This is who you are. You come from a heritage of people who have shaped and created and brought innovation to this earth and have given of themselves in such incredible ways. That's your heritage. It's who God made you to be. So don't make work your idol. But also don't be idle in your work. I mean, have you ever considered that idleness is a matter of, way more of the heart than, than just the hands. There's times when you get into a lull, and I get it, there's tension in this. 
When you're at work and the things that you're wanting to happen aren't happening on the outside, you're not getting recognized. This happened to me. I got invited to take uh, higher positions as people saw a favor, and then, then I wouldn't get that, that position that they asked me to interview for. So I had to hold the line. I had to hold my perspective. It wasn't about the outcome. It was about the process. And when you have a perspective and you're prepared you're able to walk the process. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who doesn't, does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handle the word of truth. Two were to be. I love in Exodus 31, 1 through 6, two, two characters and what the Bible says about them. And, and this hits our sacred secular divide and, and, and obliterates that if you'll, if you'll grasp what's happening here. And their names are Bezalel and Aholiab. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. So he must have been a priest. Listen, verse 4. To make artistic designs. For work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in, in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Filled with the Spirit of God for this artistic work. That's you. That's me. Moreover, I've appointed Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. So these were craftsmen. Skilled craftsmen. This is why we have to anchor down a proper theology of work in our hearts. And I read this last week, but the church's often approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him to not be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. But what the church should be telling him is this. The very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. <laughs> it showcases the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you to do well in the work that you've been given. If you're a, a coach... If you're an attorney, if you are an owner of a business, do it well. If you're a chef, create great food. And we know this by some studies that, that are uh, outlined in Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Out Outliers, that it takes 10,000 hours to master something. If you're a musician, it takes 10,000 hours of practice. This is why when we're like, well, I want to I find out what my passion is. Let me tell you, get to work. Once you hit 10,000 hours, let's have a conversation. That's what we need to grasp, that we're to cultivate and shape and develop. And you don't often in the work that you're assigned, you don't start off as a 10 in your skill level. But as people who bear the image of God, that should be our mark. It should be our mark to do that. Remember what I started off with, Billy Graham said, the next great awakening will likely take place in the workplace. And in addition to that, I believe part of our bottom line is blessing others. Blessing others. People are the highest priority. We're to advance the mission of God where it can be advanced, right? We had the first commission, the cultural mandate, and Matthew 28 gives us the second commission or the great commission, which is to make disciples. And in our work, that's also what God has, has commissioned us to do, make disciples. And, and I'll help you a little bit with that, but let, let's just read this, 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord 
Work at telling others the good news. Some translations say, do the work of an evangelist and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So when you begin to do good work and people see your heart for them, they begin to ask questions. Let me just remind you how Jesus evangelized when he was on the earth. He asked the right questions at the right time. We tend to ask people the wrong questions at the wrong time. The right questions that Jesus asked, lean into them. Like, what are you longing for? What are you looking for? What do you love to do? When you have a proper question, the right question to be empowered with, with your coworkers, it begins to start the path to helping to lead them to the master coach of life, Jesus. But sometimes I think we, we apply the AB evangelism technique, which I call assault and battery. I never passed out tracks in, in, in corporate world. I got to know people's stories. I found out the questions. I, I challenged myself to do that. And so here's, here's a, a tool for you. A tool is to start to develop kingdom KPIs in your work, key performance indicators, key performance metrics. And one of those metrics is to start tracking how many questions you're asking your employees, your coworkers, the people that you serve, your customers. Start asking them more questions. And we have an app called Connection that you can download and begin to pull up on your phone. And each day, you just start the day with a question. People want you to be interested in them. And I would love it if we became a body of believers that got interested in other people. And you get to learn why people do things that you might think are crazy. People aren't trying to create problems. They're trying to solve them. If you'll suspend your skepticism and judgment, you'll hear their story and you'll be able to ask them a pinpointed question to get to their heart. And that's where God placed you. He placed you where the action is. Brad, I don't know enough Bible. I'm, I mean, I'm not perfect Every one of us, every one of us has the opportunity to see others, to bless them, to care for them, to think about them, to, to ask questions about their kids or, or other interests or hobbies. It's why I think one of the, the, the ways we could be so much more effective is if we became more interesting as the body of Christ. I started to work on this myself. I realized that I, I definitely was treating work as a God at one point in my life. And I'm like, I'm doing well in one facet of this, but I don't really make any time for, for the hobbies of my life. And so I started to invest heavily with the notion and perspective that I, I could actually draw others in. And it's been interesting to, to, for me to see as I have tackled learning from people in our body about how to fly fish and dirt bike ride and grill out, right? And uh, just participate more and more in things that are interesting. People are more interested. People ask more questions. So what we've been given, just encourage us, right? Like get a perspective, be a partner with God, be a person of enthusiasm and be a person of confidence, do what you do well for the glory of God and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. But don't seek to change that immediately. Invest your perspective. Invest your enthusiasm. Be competent in the work that you've been given. 
Remember, our identity is changed. And the gospel gives us a new pursuit. Our reward systems are changed. God calls us to be kind, to be altruistic, to learn to love God and people better. That environment, that, those, those agitating people at your work are there so that you can develop your muscles and learn to love people in a more amazing, amazing way. But work makes things happen. It improves reality. It begets innovation. And that innovation begets beauty and blessing. It solves disease and problems. It shapes our character. It makes us like God. We're called to become like Jesus and change the world. Change the world. To be friends of sinners like Jesus. To be friends of people, of humans. To be image bearers of God who see people like he does. Every person you come in contact with bears the image of God. They may not have royal blood flowing through their veins as of yet. But if you will see them the way that God does, we will rule and we will subdue the earth according to what God has. So we need to fortify and strengthen this professional pillar. It has huge ramifications to the journey that God is taking us corporately and individually uh, where, he's, where he is going with us. What I want to invite you to do right now is to take out the Resilient Life Action Plan. Okay? I need all of you to just take this out because this is where the rubber meets the road. Now you'll see in the up, upper right-hand corner it says mindset, motivation, and methods. Here's what happens when all three of those are synced. You have integration. When you just have one or two of these, right, you have ideation, implementation. But when your mindset and your motivation and your methods are synced, you're integrated. You're whole. This is the word for holy. You're, you're an integrated person operating with precision. And so what we're going to do is take the professional uh, lane here. And in the first box, where am I today? Has, has work been a curse? Has it been a means to an end? Is it, has it been a God to you? You can just write that down, just facts. Just what are the facts about your work? Okay, I'm gonna give you just a little bit of time on this, but then 12 months from today, just ask the Lord, God, what, what do you see? Show me a picture, give me a word. When it comes to my work, give, give me, is it, is it, I'm gonna bear the image of God like a beast. You can take that if you need it. Um, but write that down, okay? But then where the rubber meets the road for us is, is in the middle. What does this mean and what must I do? Now, I gave you several tools, right? I'm going to build a playlist. Week one. Week two, I'm going to start opening up the Connection app and asking questions to my coworkers. Or you might have another idea. God may give you an idea. Small Simple steps. This is what we need. If we want to transform, we've got to train. And it requires that we actually put something into practice. And here's what I'll tell you. To practice is to make a habit of the unnatural. These things may be unnatural for you in the beginning. Just like when you first learn how to go to the bathroom in a room with a porcelain seat. You used to... The most natural thing for you to do is go to the bathroom in your pants. But thank God you learn. Okay? We hear, 
and we put it into practice, all right? So I'm going to invite you right now to take that out, take out a pen, and get to work. Go ahead. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.